Do you wanna play a game? Do you like scary movies? Do you wanna eat some brains? Is your chainsaw arm groovy? How bloodthirsty could a talking plant be? Eat your liver with some fava beans and a nice Chianti. Come play with us forever, cause down here we all float. I never drink wine, so you're gonna need a bigger boat. Or a throat to choke, whether you're in the prim or dairy. Got red rum where your blood from. Put your dead son in the cemetery. It's him or carry. Be very afraid. You'll be our number one I'm fan and one get day. carried away. All working, no play, you know it. Always means you're in trouble, son. I came to chew gum and kick ass and I'm all out of bubble gum. What if Quint killed Jaws' his father? What if the Bob's body was marijuana? What if the leprechaun got a job as a bank guard? What if the wolfman had a cowbell instead of Every nards? scary movie made since Oscar Wilde was writing letters Had canon to watch them all and tell you how to make them better So put your earbuds in and forget what you're planning It's time to take our heads and shoot them out of a cannon 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 Welcome to Head Cannon. Tonight we have a very special guest, Mr. Tyler Lyons. How are you this evening? Guys, I am doing wonderfully. Good. Good. And it's nice to meet you. It's good to see you face to face. Uh, I met you literally like five minutes ago. We all we all know each other through our mutual friend. Uh, Frankie Bolda, who Brent and I know her through comedy sports in Indianapolis. How how did you and Frankie meet? How do you guys know each other? Uh, actually, we met through comedy sports uh, originally. I did comedy sports high school league when I was in high school, and then I did shows and stuff around Indy. And I think anyone who's in the Indianapolis theater scene knows Frankie Bolda, right. and Frankie <laughs> Bolda knows everybody else. So right, you come across her at, at some point or another and uh actually about two years ago we did a show at the district and uh that's when we really started to hit it off nice yeah it's a, and indy's a pretty tight-knit community i gotta say like i moved up here in 2015 to the chicagoland area pretty much to like study at second city and io which was great like i took some great classes i learned a lot i'm, I'm super glad i did it but it's it's like so big. It's it's just not a community in the way that Indianapolis is a theater community. You know what I mean? Yeah. And uh, and yeah, like now, like having learned what I've learned, I definitely miss the indie community and, and what was going on down there and being a part of that. You know, it is uh, extremely different. And I went to college in upstate New York, and then eventually uh, lived in. New York City for a couple of years and you know that has got many different artist communities in of itself and levels and tiers and whatever what have you but uh you know comparing that to smaller places like uh Indianapolis it is extremely different in that way I've never had the pleasure of um you know being in that community in Chicago but I did have I feel like I had a grand vision when I was in high school of being a Chicago actor. <laughs> I, I, I always felt like that had a very specific style in my head. Yeah. They were kind of that I, when I pictured that it had maybe a grittier feel, or at least they were all walking around like I'm doing real theater and, <laughs> right. and you know, like forget the, the East coast. Yeah. The, the Gary Sinise vibe. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Exactly. For like what was the most fucked up thing you saw in New York city? 
Uh, I, I my very first time I got to Brooklyn, I went to a visit some friends out there, and I was walking off the subway, and yeah, coming up the <laughs> coming up the stairs, and there was a straight what I can only imagine was a homeless person passed out at the top of the stairs, needle in arm, and like convulsing at the mouth, and I was straight up like. I, I still had a bunch of my Hoosier in me, and I was like, yeah. we have to stop and help this person. You're like a piece and, of hay sticking out of your mouth. <laughs> exactly. Had my corn cob pipe and, you know, my overalls and was like, why is no one helping this person? And uh, there was... They're like, I'll help them, and they push the plunger. <laughs> and, and it was like, just, right, walks away, all happy. He's like, that's all I needed. Was my hit? Uh, <laughs> it was just a little I, magic sauce. I, I like stopped, and just over to the corner was uh, this older woman who was like smoking a cigarette and was straight like, "Yeah, I called the cops. They'll be here in like half an hour." And I was like, "This this dude is going to die." Right. I was like, "This is crazy." Did you see it? At, did you see it through? Did he, or did you just like you kept walking? No, because I was with friends that yeah. had been living in new york and they're like he'll be fine come on and that was kind of the story like i had to kind of learn like when homeless people would walk up to you and ask for money and stuff i would always stop and like engage in conversation my friends were like guy we gotta go you gotta keep walking (laughs) right we don't have time for all this (laughs) exactly if somebody in downtown indy stops you and you know has some story about you know their car you'll at least stand there for a good two minutes before you're like i don't have any money i'm so sorry right (laughs) That's, you know, I had a, there was one night I was coming home from, I think it was taking classes at Second City. I had a class and then my classmates and I went out for some drinks and then I was coming home. It was probably like two, maybe two in the morning, something like that. And I was walking down the stairs and like one of the CTA stops and this old dude had like fallen down the stairs and really hurt himself. And and I like went over, I was like, I was like, oh fuck man, are you like, are you okay? Do you need me to call somebody? And this woman nearby was like, she was like. Somebody help him! And I was like, I'm at, like, I okay, like we're I'm checking him out. I don't know, like how the, how are you doing, man? So like, I ended up calling the cops, and like, of course, in the you know they're right there, so they could come and check him out. And I was like, okay, you and I don't know why I'm like, you guys got this, like I have to. And the the, the paramedics or whoever were there, they're like, yeah, we're fine. What the fuck are you gonna do? Like get out of here! Like, okay. This lady told me to help out. Yeah, this lady was like, somebody's got to help. So I'm fucking. I don't know. You mean to give him like CPR or something? They're like, what? No, fuck off. Like, you know, were, were you expecting them to be like, yes, we need you to help reset his leg? Right. And also, yeah. Can you fill out this paperwork? I hate doing the paperwork. Yeah, I was just, I was just hoping. I was like, so does does he need mouth to mouth at all or anything? <laughs> They're like, they're like in the process of putting latex gloves on your hands. <laughs> like, what am I doing here? Oh man, you how, said you were a doctor, right? Yeah. How fucked up would that be if you were in a situation like that, and then the EMTs like deferred to you? They're like, "What do we do?" And you're like, "Oh, fu- I don't know. Why am I in charge here?" That makes me think. I love that uh, that scene from Catch Me If You Can, where he's going through that stint of pretending to be a doctor, mm-hmm. and he's he's got those ER nurses or. Uh, in interim doctors, I forget what you call them, residency doctors mm-hmm. in there. And he's like, I think we should, you know, reset the leg, do the stitches. And he goes, do you concur? Yeah. And the guy's like, I, I, I do oh, you right. concur? Yeah. And he's like, I should have just concurred. Yeah. Because yeah, a... he was like, he was watching these like old, like these old TV shows, right? As people like, <laughs> yeah. prepare to be a doctor. That was, good. That was yeah. a good movie. What a good, yeah, that was, that was a really fun movie. 
So mm-hmm. if I ever find myself in that situation, I'm just going to say some some garbage and then say, do you concur? <laughs> That's my extreme go-to. Yeah. Definitely. That work. Yeah, you just got to act like you know what you're doing. That's all. <laughs> 100%. But how about you, Brent? What are you, what are you up to? How have you been tonight? Oh, I've been good. I, I've been good, you know. Oh, oh that just kind of reminded me of, like, uh, um, other, like, con artists of, like, recent times. Didn't that one chick get busted? recently for pretending to be like ultra wealthy and she would hang out with all these like ultra wealthy people and like get like get gifts from them and i think even like like would live at like people's like like summer homes and stuff while they were gone i don't know I, I don't i, I don't know about it i i heard about a dude like just yesterday do i think people do that i think that's a fairly common thing that people do is like act <laughs> like if you act like you're if you have enough money to just like get a baseline, like get enough nice clothes and shit to act like you're rich yeah. for a little bit, then you yeah. can get in. Like as long as you can like walk the walk and talk the talk, because yeah. yeah, you can like trick trick those people easily. You know. What about what about dudes that um that look like they 21 Jump Street themselves? Like this, this I've read some articles about these people. They go back to high school, and they're like in their late 20s or something like that. Like dude, like went back to high school and got, got like awesome grades, you know, cause like he knows everything. And then like, was like on the sports team and was like, was like a baller. Like was just Wait, really like pe- popular people doing this in real life. Yeah, man. People do this. What I, I mean, that sounds fun on one hand, but on the other hand, are they like being creepy fucking assholes and hooking up with young girls? I think the one that I'm thinking of did not, but did like not. Okay. potential's there. You know? <laughs> the, the, the one that, that outed himself publicly didn't do anything wrong, but all the, the hundreds that are out there doing sketchy stuff, not right. You know, I mean, that, that, that sounds good. like it sounds like an '80s comedy. What you're describing, like on the surface, it sounds like a fun, harmless thing, but then there's right. the sub level where you're like, wait a minute, nah, that could be that could be problematic, you know? Yeah. I see. I wish I could remember the name of the school, but there was a story recently about a football team full of adults that registered and pretended to be a high school football team and were, I mean, all these 30, 40 year old guys that were playing (laughs) against high schoolers and some of them were like JUCO dropouts and it didn't come out that they were adults until they were about to play in like a state championship game. <laughs> they had dominated beat everyone. <laughs> and then everyone was like, all right, we need to see your records or stuff like that. And they tried to forge like high school records for this right. fake high school. And they were like, wait a minute. That sounds like something you start off as a joke, but then at one point, like you're in too deep to just pull out. Yeah. So you, you're like, well, they were that old. Yeah. <laughs> I felt like there were some, I mean, cause I know some of the guys were trying to act like coaches and stuff. So there were some older guys. And then there were some guys that like, were just of that community, just like hanging out that wanted to like play football. But yeah, I do think the, the majority of them were kind of a little past college age. We're kind of yeah. Juco dropouts. That, that happens in a uh, little league as well. Um, like you get some kids coming from like some South American com- uh, country, you know, like they probably don't have as much documentation, mm-hmm. and and they they they're like seventeen or eighteen, but they're like in little league. Oh god! And they wild. just like demolish. <laughs> oh yeah! Oh, when I worked at this middle school one time, there was this kid. 
he um his parents his dad was like an, like an amazing like college basketball player and this kid is like a t- like a tower he's a sears tower right this boy and um his parents <laughs> it, but he had to, he had to change his name recently to willis tower so <laughs> that's yeah yeah okay um well, well his parents held him out of school for like two years so that he would be like older and bigger when he got to high school to play bad isn't that crazy people that's, do that that's crazy yep. yeah Damn! Did it did it give him an, an advantage? Like, did he get a get a high school scholarship or something? Or oh, I'm sure I don't remember. It's been yeah. years ago, but but yeah, that kid he was amazing at basketball. But he was also like, you know, almost three Sorry. years older than everybody. Yeah. <laughs> what a what a presumption to be looking at like a baby, you know, that's born yeah. on one of the cusp months and being like. I'm going to hold you back because you're going to be a beautiful volleyball player. <laughs> you go in D1 and then, you know, it's no, that is, that, <laughs> not that this is any, any way disappointing, but you right. know, maybe they go off to do any, something else, you know? Yeah. <laughs> That's why. Well, and it's weird to think about like, I, I, just to that point, like, cause my parents, no one in my family, uh, before me, I think my sister has some college under her belt, but there's like no history of college or, or education in my family. So I just had no guidance when I was in high school. I was like, I don't know, maybe I'll go to college, I guess. But then I got to be a senior and my parents, there was just no guidance to like, you have to fill out your FAFSA form. You have to like, go, you have to apply here. You have to. So I just didn't. And then so obviously I didn't go to college. And uh, and it, so now it's weird because my oldest daughter is 15 so my wife and I like now because my wife has her master's degree. So there's a lot of guidance like you got to do this and you got to do this. And like she's playing volleyball now and we're looking at the and she's she's a freshman in high school. So you have to like at this point, you have to consider um, what the NCAA requirements are for her classes and shit because she really loves volleyball. So it's Whoa. like. It's just until, like being on this end of it, like being a parent who is aware of college and aware that that's something she's going to want to do. Whereas in my past, I've been a student who had zero guidance to that stuff. Like, I don't, it's just like a totally, uh, there's a lot to be learned and a lot to know, you know? Yeah. So yeah, I was the same way. My dad was like, I think you have to fill this out. My, he never went to college, you know, and it was right. the FAFSA thing. And I didn't even know I'd be. Pay- I didn't even know what a student loan was. I didn't even know that it was going to be something that I had to pay. <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah. You were like, you got this, Dad. Right? <laughs> no, I just didn't. I was like, oh, they give you money. Like, I just was. I was an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're like the students pay it, right? Like just the students. <laughs> Collective. There's a jar. I walked into the class. Where's the jar <laughs> for the loan? Is this the, is this the loan jar? There's a, pa- a pass around a basket like they do at church. Yeah. <laughs> But Everyone you just, pay your load you just take from it. <laughs> Weird. <laughs> that reminds me because and on the IU campus, Tyler, we're both from Bloomington. Um, Corey and I. Yeah, you I may or know. you may or may not be, but Brent and I are. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, so there was. I, remember, I may have told this story before, but there was a big billboard around spring break. And it, and it just said big, huge letters. It said, who's your daddy? Yeah. And it was, it was an advertisement to put spring break on your bursar bill. That's oh. fucked up. Oh, really? <laughs> I didn't know. I never knew what that ad was for. I know what billboard you're talking about. I never knew what it was about. I remember seeing that billboard yeah. there. Who's your daddy? 
put this on his on his account. You know? Oh shit! Yeah, Jesus Christ, up. man! Yeah, that shit is predatory. <laughs> oh yeah, remember they would have like the credit card companies would sit outside of Jimmy John's on Kirkwood Avenue and give out sandwiches if you opened up a, a credit card. Oh fuck, man! Eighteen-year-olds, you know. That's why. That's like uh, military recruit recruiters, like. Sitting in the lobby yeah. of your high school, you know, like yeah. where the poor kids, hey, poor kids, come over here. <laughs> right, right. What, what's your GPA? Uh, come over here. Come yeah, come here. here. <laughs> yeah, we need to talk to you. <laughs> we need to talk to you. We, uh, yeah, I'm not um, uh, as familiar with the Bloomington area because I didn't go to college there, but um, I, my brother's wife went to college down there. And all I ever heard was, if I ever went down there, I had to go and sink the biz. <laughs> at, at Nick's. Yeah. Yeah. She was, a few times. Every time she was like, Tyler, I want to sink the biz with you. And I was you like, know, okay, I, whatever. I, I feel like, like a lot of people I've talked to who went to college in Bloomington, that's the main thing they think of. People who, like, people who grew up and were raised in Bloomington, that's not probably the necessarily the thing they think of but i think a lot of people who just went to college in bismarck or or in or in bloomington yeah sink the biz is the is the main thing i hear yeah i worked i was kitchen staff for a while (laughs) at nick's were you yeah the cleanest kitchen in bloomington nice it's like this rastafarian and old hippie like would kind of like run things in the morning i've I've been there a few (laughs) few times it's a good place to drink oh yeah (laughs) the the other Go ahead. Did they put that on their signage at Nick's cleanest <laughs> kitchen in Bloomington? No. No, they should have. I really feel like they should have. There was another bar, I think it was across the street from there, that had this big blue drink. Do you remember what that's called, Corey? Did you ever drink one of those, the AMF? No, I don't know. They called it the Adios, motherfucker, and it was this giant blue drink. And you can get it a half size. <laughs> it's like it had like an insane amount of alcohol to be giving kids. <laughs> huh, where where was that at? Uh, was that that upstairs? Up, that upstairs place? Yes. Okay. Not the jungle room. No, no, no. I know what you're talking. About. Just south of Kilroy's, right? It's upstairs pub. I the just upstairs pub. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Kara yeah. just confirmed it. Nice. Thanks, Kara. <laughs> we weren't we weren't gonna come up with that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think so, I played Sink the Biz with Kara and some of her friends, and her buddy didn't like beer, and so he was drinking um, like Smirnoff Ices. If it was his turn to drink. <laughs> so if you if you went to college down there, you associate Bloomington with getting dangerously blind drunk. Um, if you just grew up there, what would, do you associate it with? Watching kids get dangerously blind. blind. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. Yeah, that's true. No, because I remember like when 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 it, when IU went to the uh, like the final four finals or whatever. Yeah, it was, I, dude, it was fucking nuts downtown. People were like climbing on the street lights. It was they, a riot. They were yeah they yeah they were like and I there was one because I, I went down there. I was like I got to see this fucking circus and people were climbing on the street lights, the stoplights. And I watched this one dude. And like I, hand over hand again. Hand over hand, yeah. Climb. And I watched, like, I was across the street. I watched this whole scene. This cop was, like, driving down Kirkwood, oh. just cruising. And this, some drunk asshole 
picked up one of those free newspaper stands where you just like, oh, you know, just on the street, you open it up, grab a newspaper, close it, whatever. He lifted it over his head and threw it into the street. And I watched the cop's face. The cop was like, oh, God, like, I don't even want to deal with this asshole right now. But he had to, he flipped on his lights and like pulled a Yui to stop this guy because this asshole had just thrown a, a newspaper stand into the street. Yeah, yeah. Oh, it, it, Tyler, I remember this. Uh, I was there with Corey, a couple other people. We were on the outskirts of the riot, right? We were watching a riot happen. And these this group, this small group of girls, like, kind of pour out of the riot. And, like, we're, like, in an alley. Like, it's, like, gross where we are. Like, we're next to, like, a dumpster. But these girls, they, like, they walk by us. And one girl goes, Whoa! And she lifts her shirt up. And then it's, like reality washed over her face after she did it she like started to cry <laughs> oh my god <laughs> you saw a full-on character arc in the span of five seconds oh, yeah, it was cool it, it was cool man yeah i want to know <laughs> i like that he's the the most interesting part of the story though was the we were just in this alley <laughs> watching a riot yeah <laughs> kind of we, were, it sound we, like... we had probably retreated to the alley to smoke you know oh that's true like, yeah they were firing tear gas yeah people were going to the student union and grabbing these like you know like seven thousand dollar leather chairs and like hoisting them into the streets and stuff <laughs> that was my God. It's because a team lost at a sport <laughs> yeah because a team lost at a sport yes yeah my uh my father was on, I can't remember exactly where he traveled to, but he was in Europe somewhere right after a team had won the World Cup. Okay. And he was staying in this hotel, and they were about to leave to go to dinner, and the hotel staff stopped them and said, do not leave. They said, please do not leave. They were like, we will pay, pay for your dinner, send it up, but please do not leave. Cause especially because they knew they were from America, and they were like, why? And they were like, there will be people rioting in the streets until the sun comes up, and it will be dangerous for you to go out. And they were like, oh, my God. I mean, they're that upset that they lost, and they're like, no, they won. They won. And they're right? about to burn this thing down. <laughs> yeah, they're like, no, it's even worse. They won. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah, that shit. I got, I got to say, man, it was kind of fun being like a teenager in high school, Bloomington's a fun place to grow up if you're a teenager. If you're in high school, Bloomington's a fun place, man. You just do whatever you want. Is a magical bubble. <laughs> a little racism and horribleness of the world. It's yeah. this lovely oasis. Yeah, this liberal bastion in the middle of fucking Indiana. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Corey would just like push me around in, in his gra- grandma's wheelchair sometimes, and we would just like tip it over, and I don't know we'd like do like pratfalls out in the street and stuff yeah <laughs> and, and, and was grandma laying on the carpet in the living room like waiting yeah, to get her wheelchair back yeah we were like just lay here for a minute grandma we get we're gonna go have some fun we gotta go we gotta go down a creepy alley for a while yeah that was our playground yeah. just our playground was kirkwood Avenue. yeah kirkwood yeah <laughs> But anyway, Tyler, yeah. you're you're not here to talk about Kirkwood. You're here to no. talk about what? Let tell us the movie that you've brought to us, which I have to say I was uh excited and glad that I revisited. What what did, what did you what did you have us watch? The Babadook. Yeah. The Babadook. It, 2014, 2014 Aussie film The Babadook. Correct. Uh 
guys, I love this movie. Yeah. Um, I and I love it for a plethora of different reasons. Um, but I think the thing I love the most about it is the use of lighting in this movie. Oh yeah. And how claustrophobic it makes me feel. Yeah. And yeah, that that mixed with its uh, uh, sound mixing and the way they utilize noise really gets me whenever something chaotic is happening in this movie the noise level and the um the ambient sounds just rise to levels that are extremely irritating (laughs) i I found myself getting irritated and then sad while watching this movie (laughs) in a good way as good as that can be in the best way possible (laughs) yeah i gotta say i watched this movie when it first came out so i watched it in like 2014 2015 somewhere around there and at the time i don't rewatching this movie is really just for me an interesting study in how like who you are as a person can dr- dramatically affect the media you perceive at that time cuz when i watched this movie when it first came out i was like yeah that was fun it was fine it was kind of creepy whatever i didn't think too much of it cuz i i knew that it had gotten a lot of critical acclaim it had a you know, people loved it. And, and I was like, yeah, that was fun. That was fine. Whatever. But then I watched it this weekend and for whatever reason, like it to- it like it affected me on a completely different level. And I was like, fuck man, this movie is, is a lot. It's a lot. And I love it. And it's weird that I didn't get that until my second viewing of the movie, like seven years later. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. What, did, what did you think, Brent? What, what was your, what was your thoughts on it? Well, like the things that you thought as well, like, you know, this woman is just so depressed and it's so like, even like all the costumes, everything's very muted as far as color, you know, it's, it's, it's sort of like a poster for depression almost. (laughs) Um, Side note, you mentioned like sound effects earlier. I read this and then was like looking for it, but they use sound effects from like uh, mid to later nineties video game. No, um, early to mid nineties video games. And I forget the, the two that, that were mentioned before, but I had played them. But the third, I was only reminded because I heard from um, I heard a sound effect from the game Warcraft 2. Huh. This old style, if you ever played like a Age of Empires or a Civilization thing, or it's like that. And it was the dragon, the dragon roar. Huh. Like, you know, and it was like, I was like, oh, I recognize that. And I played <laughs> it like three times. Like that. It's cool. That's what, that's interesting. It's like the... Uh... You know, they put the Wilhelm scream in everything. And, like, yeah. you can always – I, I always, anytime anybody uses the Wilhelm scream, I'm always like, oh, there it is. There's the Wilhelm scream. <laughs> my, my kid now, he, he calls it out. Yeah. I mentioned it once. He loves to hear it. That's awesome. That's hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, but, no, so this movie, it starts out the mom, like, uh, she has her car cra- car crash dream. She floats down to bed. Um and then her kill her kids building that baseball launcher to fight yeah. the monster. Um, I was like, someone's gonna get their head smashed in with that later. I was yeah. like, that's shadow <laughs> for sure. Yeah, because he's built that. He's got his baseball launcher. He's got his crossbow that he's bringing to school. Like that kid is prepared for fucking whatever, you know. He's like Data. He's like Data from the Goonies. <laughs> yeah, I, I want to say he made Data and um, 
Kevin from Home Alone look like some chumps because this kid was not building his his sole purpose for building what he was building was I'm gonna bash its head in. How many times right. did he in the movie did he say I'm gonna bash the monster's head in? He was ready to rock. He wasn't pulling any punches. He was like, <laughs> I'm not hiding under my bed from the monster. I'm gonna bash its head in. <laughs> That's crazy because the mom says that to him at some point. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I want to bash your head against a brick wall. Oh, yeah. that's right. That's right. Yeah. Which there's no and way that he was in the room when they were filming that. I bet. No, no actually. Oh, like, do you want to, you want to reveal it? Or you no, want me to you're, you're the guest. You go ahead, Tyler. I did. Uh, I did skim through some of those, uh, those facts, but apparently a big thing that the director, uh, Jennifer Kent, uh, was concerned about was, um, like ruining, <laughs> Traumatizing uh, a child, <laughs> right? Noah Wiseman, who played Samuel in the movie, it was like ruining his childhood, and it was actually pretty funny because I sat down to watch this movie with um, Frankie and uh, my mother because my mother loves horror films, and it's a, a lot of the reason that I like horror films today. But nice. we sat down to watch this one, and at some point, my mom was like, "I can't watch this anymore. This is straight up like child abuse." And I was like, no, no, no. And I was like, sit down. I was like, I, st- I paused the movie. I was like, no, 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 let me tell you this fact. Because Jennifer Kent filmed a lot of the abuse scenes without the kid in the room. And right. they're not um, – Essie Davis, who plays the mom, isn't in the same shot with the kid in a lot of those scenes, you'll notice. And uh, the mom is working with a stand-in actor, and the kid is actually working with the director. And – uh, Jennifer Kent is telling him stuff like, um, how would you react if I threw your, you know, your Legos in the river? Or <laughs> if, you know, what, what would you do if, if you heard a strange knock on the door while you're home by yourself, she's giving him things to react to in the movie. And so I sat her, I sat my mom down. I told her all that. I was like, so, you know, it's totally fine. This kid wasn't traumatized and it's just a movie. I was like, keep <laughs> watching it. You'll like it. And then That's I like pressed play. Kids. Exactly. <laughs> to your mom. And I straight up, I straight up pressed play, and then the very next thing that happens, I kid you not, like four minutes later, is it, it, towards the climax of the movie, and the mom's possessed, and she starts to choke the kid, <laughs> and it's very clear that both of them are in their shot, and they had to film that together. <laughs> and my mom was like, "No, they're not. No, they're not. She's abusing that kid." And I was like, "Oh God." I was like, "Well, they had to do that one scene. I'm sure it was fine." Right. Yeah, it's okay. <laughs> She was wearing an Elsa mask. Yeah, she's <laughs> yeah, she like, let it go! Let it go! <laughs> Strangling. See, now, now I'm afraid that if they did that, the kid would, you know, grow up with some some uh, out-of-the-box sexual tendencies. <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's later standing in an alley when he's, you know, 30, going, would you put this mask on for me? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and, the, and the, the woman from IU is like, yeah, sure! Woo! <laughs> She has two Elsa masks. <laughs> <laughs> it's like I can't let go. She's like, I've named my boobs Elsa and Anna. <laughs> right. Oh, my God. Or what if it was like the snowman guy? I think that would be <laughs> They're both just Olaf. <laughs> Olaf. Real long carrot nose. <laughs> but, yeah, I was, I was thankful that the director uh, – wasn't day in and day out aside from the one choking scene you know exposing him because 
Jesse Davis does a tremendous job there in the last third of the movie of just being straight terrifying. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Her her range of voice that she uses when she oh, is yeah. you know going through that possession, she's you know real soft and and light through most of the movie, and then just on a dime in those moments turns dark and stern and scary. Um, without, without like yelling every line, I feel like sometimes manic moms and and horror movies start to hit certain volumes and certain pitches and it's just some angry tour de force for, (laughs) you know, the last 45 minutes of a horror movie. But she does a great job, I think with, uh, levels and tone and and especially in that last third. And just a lot of the shit she's saying too, like when she's like, she's like, I wish it was you that died and not him. Right, well, like yeah. some of the shit she reveals to her kid, like she wishes he had died instead of her husband, like that's just fucking heavy too, you know. Like that's a lot to lay on a, a kid, you know. Dude, yeah, speaking man, of... he's like, he's like, I know it's you. I know you're in there. I'm, you know, I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I've always loved you. You know, he's like, he forgives her. You know, yeah. Goonies never say die. Yeah, he's like all oh, yeah. He's like, yeah, he's, he's like coaxing her out of the, this, yeah. this, whatever it is, this like possession the whole time. Yeah. He's like totally trying to coax her out. Like Gulliver, Gulliver travels her. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, and this, this kid is like the most prepared, like physically he's got his baseball launcher and his crossbow, like mentally he's prepared to like be there for her emotionally and like give her anything she needs mentally. Like this kid is fucking prepared for this shit you know well and he also there's the shit out of her too i mean (laughs) oh yeah oh yeah he's tripping her down the stairs yeah um i was he was one paint can away from home alone (laughs) five yes absolutely yeah Yeah. one paint can one nail almost (laughs) (laughs) that would have made that movie so much better home alone if it was like some real messed up demon kid like samuel (laughs) instead interesting like how in the beginning of the movie because i watched this i watched this with my my daughter bella and i watched this she's she's 12 and it was in her like because you know the whole movie or the beginning of this movie this kid's just like screaming and being a terror and like bringing a crossbow to school and he won't let his mom sleep and some of the coolest shots in this are when like his mom goes to sleep and the camera just stays on her and you get this time lapse from like nighttime to morning and she wakes up and it feels like no time has passed. And I have had nights like that where like I went to sleep. I know I slept, but it doesn't feel like I actually slept at all. You know what yeah. I mean? And and I don't know. It's just like really, you know, some of this like anger she has toward this kid. Well, there's a couple things like, A, I can understand that. And uh, like some of my my deepest fear is like just accidentally like being asleep or not being in my right mind or like thinking there's a boogeyman or something in the house and like accidentally hurting one of your children. Like nothing is more frightening than that is like these intrusive thoughts 
Yeah. You know, and it's like when you're on the top of a high building, you're like, oh, what if I jumped? What, you know, it's like shit you would never do, but you can't help but get these intrusive thoughts. And it's like, you know, the worst thing ever. Um, but, but on top of that, like you also have this, this child who obviously has behavior problems and, and I have to say like, because my wife's a social worker, right? She's a school social worker. She's got her master's in school, in social work. And it's not 100% the case, but, and there are like external circumstances, like parents have, you know, jobs they have to contend with. And it's like, you know, it's a single parent, like of obviously there are systemic problems that need to be addressed as, addressed as well. But a vast majority of the time, nine, uh, nine times out of 10 times, at least if you have a kid who's a terrible fucking asshole, it's because the parent is either themselves a terrible fucking asshole or just a bad fucking parent is the case. 90, 95% of the time. Right. I love the way that you layered that up that way, because I feel like that's exactly the way the movie layers that because at the very beginning, I, I was like, yeah, I would hate this kid, too. Yeah. I was like, this kid <laughs> yeah. is the most yeah. annoying version of a kid ever. Yeah. And props to him because his scream and his cry, easily the most annoying kid and kid in, scream cry In, in movie cinema history, possibly. It's up there, yeah. for sure. I, yeah. I want to give him an award, but... <laughs> um, and then as the, as the movie goes, it does such a good job to also to one of the points you made of creating this fatigue mm-hmm. of making the sleep feel super short. And then those long nights that she sits in front of the television and, you know, for anyone who, you know, has ever bouted with insomnia or finds themselves just like flipping through their phone or, you know, looking at the TV when the whole room is dark, that feeling of sitting in front of the tv in the darkness for like three hours and the strain that it kind of pulls on your eyes like when your eyes start to feel real heavy in the middle of the night and it's like a combination of like exhaust and then like the light just pulling your eye to one point of the room and those shots were so long in the movie and it's just flashing between the tv and they they flash all the images on the tv and that as a viewer you know what i mean scrambles your brain because you're processing so much light and then it goes back to her kind of in the darkness and she's kind of in her pale and she's got that dead stare and those flashes those camera cuts create a fatigue in you as the viewer that you experience you're like oh man like you start to feel bad for like i'm exhausted and i can feel her being exhausted yeah and and her as she crumbles in the movie and she makes questionable decision after (laughs) question I think especially when she's in the doctor's office after, uh, uh, I think what that's after the birthday party when he pushes his, oh. cousin. his cousin out of the treehouse. Yeah. Made the worst noise, the worst sound effect ever, too. <laughs> ever. And uh, she asks for those uh, sedatives. Yeah. And you're just like, I think that is collectively, as an audience, where everyone's like, oh, no, don't do it don't i know i get i get that it's hard but please don't do what you're about to do yeah one that's yeah. like one, you don't have to go to a doctor for that you just give the kid a little nyquil or something <laughs> exactly put a right. little whiskey in the juice or give him a half a brownie or something you know <laughs> <laughs> well that's and i like i totally felt that for her i was like yeah 
I could I totally sympathize. I was like, I I don't blame you. Like I feel you. So like sometimes you just need some fucking sleep, you know? And uh, also if you're worried that your kid is gonna like hurt you. Yeah. There's probably a layer of that as well, you know. Yeah. Yeah. And um also like just that she, it, it's a give and take of you know you have to take care of this uh child and surely you both know more about this than i but you have to take care of this child but also if you feel like you are deteriorating and can't <laughs> you know what i mean keep up with it and you you feel like you're losing like how especially as a single mother in this movie you know how do you balance and how do you ask for help when there you feel like there's no one you can turn to you know they do a great job of making the sister uber critical and unlikable i felt totally bad for that actress because there's not one redeeming line <laughs> in, 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 in her whole part of the script but, yeah. but her, she seems to have her whole life together too yeah right. well and that's the thing like you don't you don't like her as a character but at the same time you're like i can kind of understand because that boy is so fucking terrible he's so terrible like you you're not supposed to like the sister, but at the same time, you can kind of understand. I'm like, I don't want that boy at my fucking house either. Like, fuck that kid, you know? <laughs> he's, he's dressed like a little mini ACDC guy. <laughs> Just all the time. <laughs> a little Angus, what's that dude's name? Angus some shit? Yeah, Angus. <laughs> like you said Tyler when they're watching movies at night a lot of their movie a lot of the movies they're watching are some of like the super early horror movies from like 100 120 years ago and Brent Brent I'm sure I'm sure you recognize some of these because we covered this in our first episode uh from from George Méliès and some other people um a lot of the movies she's watching are like early horror movies uh from the from the first days of cinema um, but this character specifically, the Babadook, I guess, and I've, I've seen this character before, but it's, uh, it's based on the 1927 lost film, London After Midnight, where Lon Chaney plays a character called the man in the beaver hat, which I've seen this character before. I've seen pictures of this character, but I was not aware that it was from, I guess it's a lost movie that you can't find nowadays called London After Midnight and the Bob was it a short film? I think it was a full length it was nineteen twenty seven. So I think it was probably closer to a full length film. Wow. Um and you can find pictures of Lon Chaney. I and I've seen these pictures before. He's got a top hat, he's got spiky teeth, he he looks really creepy. Um and I, I guess that's what the Babadook was based off of was Lon Chaney as the man in the beaver hat. Yeah. Guys I'm God, I'm looking at a picture of this man in the beaver hat right now, and this is 50 billion times scarier than the Babadook. This, I, I'm more scared by this single image of this this human. Of Lon Chaney. Hold your camera. Let me see. Yeah, uh, I, I, and I've seen these pictures before, but I, yeah, that guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I recognize that, yeah. Yeah, that's, that's like, wild. that. that's 100 years ago. That's like, that's almost, that's like 95 <laughs> years ago, that dude. And, but I the guess that was sunken eyes all blacked. 
Yeah, and the top hat. Yeah, fucking creepy as fuck, dude. Bat wings as a cape. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. But I guess that, that Jennifer Kent said that that was a uh, a huge inspiration as far as, like, for the look of the Babadook. Yeah. That's fucking There's creepy as hell, man. poster with the Lost in London. Yeah. Lon Chaney, dude. One of the greats, you know? Like, all those yeah. classic universal monsters, you know? Yeah. I think that there has to be something, um, this is probably, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Cultural. But the, uh, the uh, Aussie after after dark television was, uh, was very different. I think they were trying to say that there were either just horror movies or cartoons on, because it was either one of those old horror movies or she was watching some crazy cartoon where yeah. it was like slapstick to you know animated animals trying to you know beat the hell out of each other yeah um and those or uh or also um like late night uh phone sex operator numbers oh yeah there were some of those stuff like that and uh i liked actually i think that's in the very first um montage at night where she's sitting there and she's eating chocolate right and she's trying to soothe herself and she's watching a commercial about chocolate and it's a real sexy uh, lady eating chocolate and then you get the phone sex and then she's watching uh, i think cartoons before she decides to go up and try to masturbate before her kid walks in on her that was a wow what a what a fantastic moment of levity and and comedic timing at the very start of the movie before you go on this <laughs> terrible depressing ride yeah well and on one hand it is like on one hand it is levity but on the other hand like it's just this like claustrophobic suffocating like she can't even have a moment to herself she can't even have that much without this fucking kid coming into her room and interrupting her you know so like so yeah. yeah, it's 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 so it's it's fun how it, it it works on so many levels. Like it is that moment of levity, but then at the same time, it just contributes to this like suffocating claustrophobia where like she can't get away from this fucking kid, you know. And it's not just that, like, or like her own messed up shit. Like I saw on a little video snippet about the movie, someone pointed out that even when she goes to take a drive by herself and she parks. One of the first things she sees is like a nice uh, new couple making out in their car. Yeah. Like she was just like never like a moment where she could just decompress. Yeah. Well, or yeah, that she gets that day where her coworker takes, he's like, oh, I'll take your shit for the rest of the day. Well, like, why don't you enjoy the day off? And she like tries to go, I think she has some ice cream or something. She's like enjoying her day. And then she looks and she's got like 10 missed calls from her sister and she goes to her and her sister's like, where the fuck have you been? Like, this is a disaster. You can't take any time off. Your kid is a fucking monster. And and that's one of those <laughs> levels that they used to create, like, isolation for her in the yeah. movie. I mean, that touch deficit is a real thing. And I, I like that she every time she looked, she saw people holding hands or touching or kissing and it was like you could tell that she longed to have a loving intimate connection you know and you know she never gets a hug her her and her sister don't touch or interact like that even you know on a on a, a family level but then her kid is like always hugging her around the neck he, i think he even does that thing in the movie where he tries to squeeze her as hard as he can and she's like don't 
don't do that. Yeah. Or she she's laying next to him in bed. She tries to scoot as far away from him as she can. And yeah. I think that is something that's so irritating in the movie to watch is that she wants a loving, intimate touch. Yeah. And right. she gets so much of that from her kid, but she's like, that's not what I'm looking for. No, it's like an overload on that. Yeah. One for, yeah, that's true. Yeah. And from him, it's like this codependent needy. It's like a, uh, it's not a giving touch. It's a, uh, it's a taking touch, right? It's an true. absorbing, oh, like, yeah. yeah, heart, like a harmful touch. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Cause man, there are scenes where she's like asleep and that kid's, <laughs> hand like comes over her neck you know and you're like just fucking give her a fucking ounce of space you know what i mean like god damn yeah <laughs> how, how about when she's uh uh later in the movie when she's in the tub you can you can tell this is part of just her complete breakdown she sits in the tub with all of her clothes on yeah and it's like the warm water and the kid comes in and she picks him up and puts him in the tub and they they're just sitting so closely and the camera kind of pulls out to create a little bit of uh space yeah and you're like oh my god she's actually probably just in there to relax but you also feel like any moment she could just snatch that kid and plunge him into the water <laughs> yeah 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 just like she I'm does just it like does she does with you. the dog with bugsy <laughs> oh, oh yeah bugsy no. bugsy yeah that's rough snappy. That's right, yeah. And that's there to just let you know, like, it's not, like, if she did killed her... Mom, wait, did you say that's rough? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I you Sorry, I can't even, I can't even put my puns away for one moment. I'm Brent, I'm a father. I have three children. I can't help the puns. <laughs> but, uh... When I was in, um, pre-kindergarten, I lived in California, right? <laughs> and I went to this, I went to this daycare... And, and this, and the, the adults never interacted with us at all. Right. Just never. Right. I only know this because of what I'm about to say. One day this man came and he built like Lego buildings and he told us stories and he told us, he, he told us a scary story. Right. He goes, um, he said, this old lady's like in, in her downstairs kitchen and she hears from upstairs. She hears, I got you where I want you. And now I'm going to eat you. I got you where I want you, and now I'm going to eat you, right? And this lady's, like, freaking out. And so I don't remember, because I was, like, pre-kindergarten. I just remember that part freaking me out. Right. And so the story goes that the old lady goes up the stairs, and she hears, I got you where I want you, and now I'm going to eat you. And the old lady goes, and she hears it coming out of the bathroom, and she goes into the bathroom, and there's a little boy with his finger in his nose. He goes, I got you where I want you, and now. So, so wait a second. Years go by. I moved from California to Indiana. My parents get a satellite dish. I now have HBO. On the screen is this new comedy special by this guy named Sinbad. Okay. And I, it floods my my brain. That's the guy that was telling the story, playing Legos. I swear to God, Sinbad. When I was like six, maybe five, I saw Sinbad. He came to my daycare and he played Legos with us. <laughs> what? That's wild. <laughs> that was that was his job before being a stand-up comedian. I don't know if he had like a DUI or something, had to do community service, but like he was at my daycare. <laughs> oh shit! With us. That I mean, that kind of reminds me of. Uh, I mean, this is nothing like a celebrity sighting or anything, but 
Uh, maybe it was one of the scary stories to tell in the dark or whatever, but where somebody keeps getting a phone call and it's like, my name is the Viper. I will be there on Tuesday. And it's like, oh, fuck. And they get a call the next day. My name is the Viper. I will be there on Tuesday. And they're like, oh, son of a bitch. What? You know, so they're like working in their office and Tuesday comes around and like they're working late. Nobody else is in the office and there's a knock on the door and they open the door and this guy comes in and he's like, I am the window viper. I come to vipe your windows. <laughs> Do you know that that was also a G.I. Joe episode? That was a B story. It was a B story within the episode where they, where like the Joe team at their command, main command center kept getting this call. And like, so they're out fighting Cobra Commander. And then like the very end of the episode, the viper is going to come because they're all, you know, they, they, they battle. Cobra, Cobra yeah, the other snake villain. Yeah, they amass all of their resources. Like they've got tanks and fucking huge machines, like troll out into the street. And then it was just this man, like holding a bucket and a mop. (laughs) (laughs) I'm here to wipe your windows. Yeah. See, nowadays in 2022, they would have just blasted that dude and murdered him, (laughs) and then like tried to cover it up, right? It's like pink mist. All right. Well, I think we're coming to the end of our time. Do uh, do you guys? Well, there's one more thing I want. I just want to talk about how this character or or this movie, in the vein of a lot of great horror movies, I think it takes something that's a real human experience, which is um, grief and depression, and anthropomorphizes it as this monster character as the babadook right because you've got i mean you've got the shining where it's it's definitely an allegory for alcoholism you've got it follows where the monster obviously is a metaphor for for a number of things stds gentrification um you've got midsummers and an episode we did recently where everything the character experiences is her working through her trauma so i think i just want to point out that i think a lot of the best horror movies are the the monster is just an external manifestation of whatever the the human the the main character is going through you know yeah absolutely and i agree with you that's one of the reasons that i love this movie so much and um i think that's what the horror genre is meant to be i mean don't get me wrong i I do love a good jump scare and i I like (laughs) you know a, a couple good you know bloody slasher you know films for for whatever reason but um when they do key in on topics that are difficult to discuss i think yeah openly or or hard to empathize with um and then share them with an audience and get you to really relate to that character i mean the whole movie the mom or the son have excellent lines where they're going through their depression i mean the mom says um you know, I wish it was you and she's, yeah. you know, dealing with her grief and the kid at one point says, why don't people like me? I feel like that was a line where I was like, man, that kid is dealing with depression on all sorts of levels. Not, a, not only at home, but it's translating to his growth and development outside right. the house. And yeah. that, that was tough. That yeah. was really well, tough. Th- and that's a real thing that I, I think people really feel. And it's, and, and to go deeper into like the depression metaphor, like there's that point where the Babadook uh, comes out at night and he the mom hides under the covers and, and when she opens the covers he like floats down from the roof 
up from the ceiling into her mouth. And once she invites the Babadook in, after that point, she's like obviously suffering from deep depression. Like she can't get out of bed. She can't make herself do anything. Like there's there there's like a very obvious point in the movie, like letting the Babadook in is being taken over by depression, right? Yeah. And, and like at the end of the movie when they lock the Babadook in the basement, like it'll always be there. It's never going to go away. It's just something you have to learn to deal with and even like feed it on a daily basis. But you just, it's going to be there. So you got to learn to deal with it, you know? Yep. And I think the kid at the end, even, I can't remember the exact wording, but he checks in with the mom. He, I think he says something like, how you doing? Or the, maybe the old lady says, how, you know, how you doing today? Mm-hmm. And they both kind of say, like, yeah, we're doing okay today. Or yeah. it's getting better, I think, maybe is what they said. Yeah, after – yeah, even, even, even Samuel's like, I want to meet him. I want to go – and she's like, when you're older. Yeah. Whoa, that's – I didn't think of all this. This is crazy. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. I read, read, read online that um someone theorized that, like, she made it all up, like, because she mentions that she's an author and that she wrote the book, the Babadook book. Oh yeah, that book, dude. That the way the book kept coming back, like taped together, and like that—that that was fucking creepy. Yeah, when the book yeah. kept coming back. Yeah. When uh, she's she's doing the pop-ups and the the crazy pop-ups turning, and it's squeezing the dog. That was really cool. Yeah. Props to the art department. Yeah, yeah man. When she goes oh, to yeah. the police station, she's like, "I'd like to report someone like stalking me and my son. They sent us a book." And they're like, okay, where's this book? And she's like, well, I burned it. And they're like, yeah, okay, lady, sure. You know? <laughs> yeah, hey, did, so... you, did you see that video I posted the other day about the book burning in Tennessee? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that was this so dude, funny. Did you see that too? Yeah, yeah right on. Okay, yeah, I posted on this. Yeah, cool, cool, man. That was freaking weird. <laughs> Kara didn't like it. Yeah. Oh, no. <laughs> no, she's like, he shouldn't be saying that. <laughs> well, so it was a guy. So it was like people burning in Tennessee, right? Burning mouse or whatever, burning the 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 graphic novel that they've been, yeah, yeah or right. taking and off you know, the. Curriculum. I looked on Amazon, and that book has skyrocketed in sales. Oh yeah, nice. Yeah, well, good. good. Yeah, good. <laughs> Sorry. No. All right. Well, well, before we end here, I want to ask everybody their head cannon. Uh, do you have any other anything about the movie you want to talk about before we jump into head cannons? Uh, real quick, I will, uh, just because we're praising the movie for uh, focusing in on depression and anxiety and how you deal with that, I'll also say it does peripherally tackle, um, you know, like the way social services handles, you know, parents and, and children and how schools handle difficult children um, as well. I thought those were some interesting peripheral kind of social aspects that it also tackled at the same time yeah. that made commentaries on those were things that we needed to change as well. Yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah. And when CPS shows up and they're, uh, yeah, CPS shows up at her house and, and what's the kid. Wait, what's he say? I think I've got it written down here. Oh, he's like, uh, he's like my, my aunt won't let me over there anymore. Cause I broke my cousin's nose in two places <laughs> or like, he's just brutally honest. Um, yeah. but, but I like the way that, that she learns to cope with that in the end is just by like being accepting of who he is and like just learning to roll with it, you know? Yeah. Next week, it's a little bit different of an episode. We didn't have a guest scheduled for the week of Valentine's day, 
but Brent and I decided we wanted to record anyway. So at the last minute, we put feelers out on social media, inviting people to come join us for a random episode. And we had, I think, four or five guests join us, and we just asked them all their favorite horror movies. We talked about a bunch of movies, a uh, wide-ranging conversation, a lot of fun. So no specific movie to watch for next week, but it's it's a good time. I think you'll enjoy it. And as always, you can follow us on social media. Find us on Facebook at Danger Explosion Presents Headcanon, on Instagram at HeadcanonPod, on Twitter at Horror Movie Pod, and you can always follow the subreddit r slash horror movie pod. Now, make sure you stick around for the very end of this episode. Friend of the show, Anthony Peterson, also known as Octopus Caveman, has just released a new album, Wolf in Love, and there's a guest feature from yours truly, President Tight Rhymes, on one of the track, and we may have a sneak preview of that uh, at the very end of the episode here, so make sure you stay tuned for that. So anyway, do uh, either of you want to jump in with your head cannons, or I can go first? Doesn't matter to me. Go ahead, Corey. Okay, I'll kick it off. My this is really simple. It's not really a head cannon for the Babadook universe per se, but I think uh, this movie does not need a remake. I absolutely do not need a remake of this movie, but. With the, the character of the Babadook having a big top hat and everything, I could see Tim Burton remaking this movie and yeah. giving Danny DeVito a call and being like, look, I've got another character. He's got a big top hat. He's a creepy fucking... So I don't want a Babadook remake, but if they do a Babadook remake, I hope it's Tim Burton and he casts Danny DeVito in the role of the Babadook, who's like, look, hey, I'm here, I'm your depression, eh, fucking be real sad, your fucking husband died, what? He died in a car accident, what are you gonna do about it? I'm gonna fucking jump down your throat, lady. I'm gonna eat you, you raw fish. <laughs> he starts going, I'm a human being. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, so that's that's my headcanon, it's for the remake. <laughs> from that batman movie at some point in it, he's he's talking about how society's jaded him so much and treats him like this awful animal he's like but i'm a human being like you held up your flippers how <laughs> to do the flippers oh man what a great movie that may, that's probably the best batman movie in my opinion yeah, so batman weird. returns yeah all uh, right tyler do you want to go or do you need to go uh i, I, can, I can go next go ahead buddy. Uh, my headcanon for this is not it, – I agree it does not need a remake, mm -hmm. and I agree that this movie does not need a sequel. However, if there were a sequel, I want it to be uh, Samuel, grown up, and he is now a world-famous magician. Oh, nice. Um, and no one yeah. – he, he has just the best tricks in the world. No one knows how he does it. He, disappears he makes stuff levitate and he uh will make people disappear and it's by using the babadook he and the babadook team up and he uses the babadook's yeah. kind of ghostly possession powers and he people call him the great mr babadook um, <laughs> nice and he's 
really just utilizing that and he may use it for good he may use it for evil maybe he feeds people to the babadook i don't know (laughs) but i would i would love to see that i love i love that i i honestly think that would be a great entry point into a sequel i think that's fantastic i would at least want to see a comic book series made about it yeah Yeah, Uh, but i would i would love that yeah for sure cool for sure all right all right brent what do you have Yeah, so I'm, I kind of reimagined a scene. So let me paint it for you. The monster is in her house, right? It waits until about 3 a.m. It's 3 a.m. And then it like gently nudges her awake. Okay. And it whis- it whispers in her ear. Okay. Do you need to take a poopy? <laughs> Do you need to take a poopy? Okay. So she's half asleep, so she's like highly suggestible. Okay? <laughs> she walks, she walks to the toilet, and it smells awful in there, right? It smells awful. She, she checks the tank and sees a huge Baba Dookie in the upper deck. Oh no, an upper decker, <laughs> a Baba Dookie in the upper deck. Okay, this is this is terrible. This is a horror movie. Wait, there's if you buy the DVD, if you buy the DVD, okay, on the back there's a QR code, right? <laughs> It's it's an aspect that uh, it allows viewers to scan a QR code off the box that activates it activates a sleeper cell to come to your house and upper deck your face while you're asleep. Right? What? So you wake up you wake up to someone yelling. You let it in. You have to let it out. And then take a dump. Why, why would you? Why would anyone want that? Why would they don't you? know what it is? They just scan it. <laughs> oh, that would be the most like personally affecting horror movie experience in exi- ever. Yeah, it's truly horrifying. Yeah, that is. You scan it, and all that you get back is you've is a little text message that also says you've let oh, it no, in. You don't know. You don't, you get nothing. Just somebody, you get, just somebody comes would, into your I, house I, and shits on your face. <laughs> I think it would be more terrifying if you just got a little message that all it said was you let it in. You let it in. You let it in. That's it. And then it's like, oh, okay. And then the guy yells, I let it out. (laughs) (laughs) That's that's terrible. That's horrifying. (laughs) No, thank you. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, Tyler, that's our time. We got to get going. Uh, We got to wrap up here. But is there anything you want to plug or point people to social media? Anything you got going on at all uh, before we wrap up here? I would just say listen to more headcanon. All right, Thanks, I can get with that. I appreciate it. <laughs> well, it's been a lot of fun. It's it's a lot of fun meeting you, man. It's uh, it's, this yeah. is a good time. So thanks for coming on. Yep. Thanks okay. for having me, guys. I, I love it, and I, I love this movie. Thanks. Nice. Yeah, yeah. we'll have, we'll have you back for sure. So, and for everybody, sure. all of our listeners, thank you for listening. This has been Head Cannon.